What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Mullen Over Podcast. My guy Parker Thune on here with me. First off, Parker, Brandon, everybody at OU Insider. Thank you for allowing me to do this show. You might be wondering right now, what is Mullen It Over? I'm going to be honest. I, I don't really know either. We're just going to talk football. We're going to talk basketball. We'll talk softball. I don't know. We're going to talk about everything. Everything you all want to hear, that is our job. We are going to try to provide the content in a unique and fun way. Every week, I'm going to be trying to have a different guest on. This week, we have the recruiting goat himself, Parker Thune. Next week, who knows, might get branded on, might pester Jesse into coming on. We'll see. New face every week, though. Going to keep it fresh. Going to keep it fun. But without further ado, Parker Thune, thank you so much, my man, for being here tonight. Of course, man. Uh, glad to get this podcast off the ground. Uh, obviously, I, I imagine much of the fan base isn't terribly familiar with you yet, but no doubt they will be because I uh, love what you bring to the table for us at OU Insider and have no doubt this podcast is going to take off as well it should. Hey, ho- hopefully so, man. We're going to definitely do our best to make sure uh, that does happen. And like I said, just give everybody a fresh, fresh perspective on everything and uh Hopefully they like it. And if you hate it, you can tell me that too. I mean, I take all feedback, good or bad, but preferably good, even if you hate it, just give it five stars and then bash me on Twitter. That's kind of the balance that we ask for. But Parker, let's get into it, man. I want to start today, right? The 2023 season was a good season for the Sooners, but I want to talk about the recruiting trail. You are the recruiting guru in the state. So we need to talk about the 2024 class a little bit. And then I want to kind of talk about some big hitters in 2025. I mean, I know you've been on the trail. I've been on the trail a little bit. We need to talk about those guys. And if you haven't watched yet, Christian Jones interview just got published on YouTube as of eight o'clock on Monday night. Be sure to check that out at the OU Insider YouTube. That was a fun one I was able to do. But let's get to 2024. Who do you expect to play year one? Do you expect any of these true freshmen to get on the field? Yeah, certainly. I think the two that you look at that are probably the biggest threats to the elder statesmen at their respective position groups when it comes to playing time right off the bat would be David Stone at defensive tackle and to to a lesser extent, Jaden Jackson. I think Jaden Jackson is certainly going to be in the picture as well. But David Stone and Devon Mitchell are the two guys that I have long highlighted as the dudes that I think have the best odds to make an impact, not just see the field, but make a legitimate impact for Oklahoma in year one, because much as we saw this past year with guys like uh, Macari Vickers, Josiah Wagner, Sammy Olmasigo, et cetera, there were a lot of freshmen that saw the field, but maybe didn't necessarily make a huge impact in terms of the box score in terms of actual production, or even in terms of just a regular snap count. I think we're going to see plenty of this 2024 class on the field at some point in the season for Oklahoma but the guys that are going to tangibly make an impact whose impact on the game will be felt. I think when you're having that conversation, you start with David stone and you start with Devon Mitchell stone, obviously comes at a position of need for Oklahoma five-star dude, national top five overall prospect, and somebody that in terms of just sheer physical tools and gifts is unparalleled in that room. Same with Devon Mitchell at the tight end position. He reclassified from 2025 to 2024 in order to get on campus with Oklahoma a year earlier. And yeah, it's because he was physically ready to do so and he was academically ready to do so. But also it was just because he was he was running out of challenges at the high school level. He's a mismatch, has always been one. 
comes from a great bloodline. His dad, Marco, played wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, Devon is everything you look for in a big time tight end prospect. Got the size, got the muscular frame, six foot four, 240 pounds. Looks the part of somebody that is going to be a weapon for Oklahoma. And maybe he isn't, you know, I, I think naturally he's probably not the weapon in 2024 that he will be by 2026 or 2027, but still somebody that without a doubt in my mind can and will make his presence felt in the passing attack this year. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. We, I mean, ironically, this was the first piece I did at OU Insider. It was talking about who were all the commits, who could play year one. And the two we really talked about were Mitchell and Stone, right? You talked about how they needed somebody like David Stone to come in, that just X-factor player on the defensive line. He's your guy. He, he's your guy in the middle. David Stone is elite. I mean, if you watch the All-American game and everything, you saw it there too. He makes plays no matter who he is playing. Coming from IMG, they're playing the best competition week in, week out. He's ready for SEC play as a true freshman. And then with Mitchell, I mean, you talked about how OU might have struggled at defensive tackle this season. What about a tight end? I mean, it really can't get worse than that position. So, I mean, I think Mitchell and Stone, both possibly the two best players um, in the class, and they're also coming in at the two biggest positions of need. One other name I want to throw in there, I get it. They hit it with the portal a little bit. Gavin Salchuk has – here he came around at the end of the year, really took off. Taylor Tatum, I mean – you can teach a lot of things. You can't teach explosiveness and speed like that. He he can do everything. He's somebody who, will he play a ton? Will he play early and often? No, no to either of those most likely. But I think he'll definitely be worked into the backfield, some especially towards the end of the year. What do you think about Tatum this year? He's going to be a hard guy to keep off the field. And I think the Sooners have the bodies at tailback to be able to keep him off the field. Like I, I think that, I think Taylor Tatum is a guy that they don't have to use in 2024. He's definitely a luxury in an immediate sense, but there's a reason why he was the number one ranked running back in the entire 2024 class. It's because he's that dude. He's a complete back, a true three down guy and somebody that is a threat to hit a home run as it were. And a little two sport analogy for you there. Uh, somebody that is a threat to go the distance every time he touches the football. So really, really like what Oklahoma has at their disposal in Taylor Tatum. But again, not necessarily convinced that he has to see the field in year one for Oklahoma. I think by year two, I think by 2025, he is an integral cog in this backfield. But absent an injury or two ahead of him, I don't think the Sooners are rushing Taylor Tatum onto the field this fall. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I just think at some point, like how you started it with, talent at times is undeniable. I would not be shocked if coming into July, coming into August, we're getting some calls saying, yeah, that Taylor Tatum guy, he's he, he's insane. He is absolutely an incredible running back. I think that could easily happen. Let's talk about recruits that you're most excited about, though. What, what commit would that have been from the 2024 class who you personally want to see on the field? Man, I think the last commit of that class, the guy that came all the way at the end, Eddie Pierre-Louis, I mean, it, he, you felt like you had to have him after Grant Bricks picked Nebraska, right? And EPL jumped on board with Oklahoma against all odds, right? Really weird recruitment, really strange arc. He visits Oklahoma all of once throughout the process. It was an OV in June. 
UCF was considered the leader for a time. And ultimately that thing swings back in OU's favor. And then things just kind of go quiet completely. He didn't visit anywhere for the last two months or so of the 2023 season. It ends up committing to Oklahoma in mid-December, the week before National Signing Day. And you want to talk about a freak, Blake. That guy fits the bill. He's the definition of a freak. Six foot three, 335 pounds, sub 13 seconds in the 100-meter dash. I mean, I, I figure everybody's seen the video by this point of Eddie Pierre-Louis running the 100-meter dash. Uh, he, as far as a strength uh, and numbers therein conversation is concerned, uh, he's got a bench press figure that is comparable to most elite NFL draft prospects. He put up 27 reps of 225 pounds as a rising senior in high school. Uh, Anton Harrison, for reference, uh, he had 24 reps at his pro day and ended up getting drafted in the first round. So NFL caliber strength already for EPL. And so the tools are all there. And what you have to bank on when all the tools are there is that a guy like Bill Biedenboe is going to be able to turn him into an exceedingly high-impact football player. And once again, he's somebody that I don't think they need to rush along because of what they have in the room at that particular position. But no later than his sophomore year, I think you're seeing Eddie Pierre-Louis play and start for the Sooners. Really, really excited about what he brings to the table. And that was just... I'm, it's it, it's hard to put into words how much that meant for Oklahoma at the end of the cycle because there were several of those recruitments down the stretch, most notably Grant Bricks, that didn't go their way or maybe they just kind of, for whatever reason, decided to pull off Cameron Campbell, the defensive back from Tampa Bay, uh, being a good example of a guy that Oklahoma had if they wanted and then decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to ease off. And so... To end the cycle the week before National Signing Day by landing the guy that our rival scouting team regards as the number one offensive guard in the nation, there were very few schools across the country that closed their cycle with the flourish that Oklahoma did. So that was a huge one for the Sooners, and I have no doubt it'll pay dividends in the long run. Yeah, I'm right there with you. EPL, he's... He's insane, right? The tape, it suggested a lot of people when that signing happened were asking how Twitter typically works. Oh, is he good? Is this a good kid? Oh, beat him, Bo. Can he recruit? It's it's everything you always expect from OU Twitter. Love him, but that's how it is. He's the real deal. He's the real deal. Like you said, watch the film. Whether you want to see him on the track or the football field, you will see insane footage. He's an incredible player. I'm right there with you. But I want to switch to the other side of the football same, we'll stick with the line. Give me Jade Jackson. I mean, David Stone has came out enough and said he's the best defensive player in the class. He's hyping him up. They're saying All-American year one. They're saying all the right things. Jaden Jackson, he's he's good. He is very good. The IMG defensive tackle right there with Stone. I mean, the chemistry that those two will have, I think that's your duo that SEC teams will fear here in about two to three years. Maybe not as a true freshman, but I think Jaden Jackson has the potential to develop into somebody very, very, very good. I, I And I know you even talked about it earlier. Maybe wouldn't even be surprised to see him on the field year one just because of how weak OU is at defensive tackle. I mean, you think that'd be that crazy? 
No, I don't. I think I, I, I do expect to see both David Stone and Jaden Jackson because it is not the deepest of groups for Oklahoma. There is talent there, no doubt, with guys like Dejon Terry, Jacob Lacey, Grayson Halton. There's talent and there's experience, but not as much of it as you would like. And getting David Stone and Jaden Jackson in the same class, man, that's a coup for Oklahoma. When was the last time they got a pair of defensive tackles in the same recruiting cycle? that can hold a candle to those dudes. So definitely expect them to be rotational guys at minimum for the Sooners from the get-go. Hey, the best defensive line class in the modern recruiting era. That's what the numbers suggest for this 2024 class. Let's switch to 2025, though. Let's shift it a year. Right now, OU's doing pretty good on the trail. What are your thoughts, though? What are your thoughts? Have Do you think it's been a good year so far? normal i mean what where are they at because it's obviously only february a ton changes right we are you and i are about a month and a half in to really pushing on the 2025 recruits looking at these timelines and stuff because it's been all 2024 but what are your thoughts through i guess the first month and a half it's been anything but normal no doubt in fact highly abnormal because of how many guys oklahoma has gotten committed very early they they got their og pledge in the 2025 class, almost a full year ago, last March, when Kevin Sperry got his dream offer from the Sooners and shut it down within a matter of days. Uh, it was really just a, a question of how soon the edit was going to get done, because as soon as that offer came, he was going to be a Sooner. And that had been known quietly behind the scenes for months and months that Kevin Sperry, if and when the OU offer came, he was locked in. And that set the tone for the rest of that 2025 group. And I, I, I don't think it was an insignificant factor in the addition of guys like Jaden Nickens and Elijah Thomas and Kamari Moore, guys that made that very, very early decision uh, before their junior year kicked off uh, that they were going to lock in with Oklahoma. Grayson Harris is another guy that really, as soon as he got the offer, it was done. Uh, his relationship with Emma Jones goes all the way back to 2021 when he was a freshman in high school and Jones gave him his first offer on behalf of the Kansas Jayhawks. So they struck gold with a couple of those dudes that just wanted to be Sooners and really had no desire to play anywhere else. Elijah Thomas is another guy that falls into that same category, but also as proactive as the Oklahoma staff was in establishing a nucleus in the class of 2025, I think Emmett Jones and his work is just kind of a microcosm of that, right? You were able to, uh, before the calendar year 2023 completely elapsed, you were able to form that nucleus such that now every time you have any big recruiting weekend, junior day or otherwise, uh, you can have one or more of your existing commits and highly regarded commits at that show up to campus and recruit on your behalf, recruit amongst their peers. And I think what also stands out about the tenfold group that Oklahoma has committed right now is that six of those guys live in the state of Oklahoma, right? And everybody else, I think without exception, everybody else is still relatively local. I think the guy that would be farthest from Norman would be their most recent commit, Ryan Foje, who's down in Bridgeland, Texas, about a seven-hour drive. But the vast majority of this class right now is comprised of guys that are a day's driving distance 
to and from the University of Oklahoma. So it helps to have a nucleus, an early nucleus, but it also helps to have a localized nucleus. And that's what I appreciate about the way that Oklahoma has recruited thus far in 2025. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, they've, everybody makes a heavy emphasis as they should. Okay, preps, okay, preps, okay, preps. They've done that this year. I mean, you just look at just offense, right? You look at the wide receiver room, whether it's Harris, Thomas, or Nickens, you have three, four stars right there at receiver who are coming in. Like they, they have done a tremendous job. And I mean, anybody who's asking, I saw somebody on Twitter a couple of days ago saying, ah, it's been kind of an underwhelming class. As you just alluded to, we are in February. I believe it's 10 commits now, and they are the number five class on rivals. I don't really know what else you can ask for um, as an OU fan. They have absolutely killed it. And I mean, you look at what could be coming in, right? We're seeing some crystal balls start coming in for Jonah Williams if that one happens. Christian Jones, who I spoke with this past week, he's talked a lot about OU, really likes OU. There are quite a few guys like that who this number where we could see this number five quickly turn into the number two or three class within a matter of maybe six to eight weeks, who knows, around the spring game. So it's just, I feel like it's only going to get better. I mean, this is the best start OU has had recruiting since when? I mean, you tell me, when is the last time we have been right before Valentine's and OU has had the number five class with 10 commits? If it's happened in my lifetime, Blake, I can't recall when that was. I mean, that, that, exactly. And it's not just uncommon for Oklahoma. It's uncommon in general anyway, across the yes. board. Right. Notre Dame is kind of that one school that they they're pretty good at identifying guys whose dream offer is Notre Dame. And they get a lot of those guys locked in early. And so that's understandable. Notre Dame is typically one of those teams that you see peak early every single year. But for any program to have double digit commits before Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Talking about Notre Dame again, I mean, you just you just want their fans to not like you, Parker. I don't, I, I don't know what else to say, man. Uh, talking about this class, though, we talked about Kevin Sperry. Obviously, he's kind of the he's kind of the center of it all, right? But somebody who hasn't committed yet, would you say there's a quote unquote must get, or who is the number one target right now in your opinion for OU? Well, at this point, it's Jonah Williams, right? And I, I don't think in this class there is anybody that I would truly categorize as a must-get. Last year, David Stone was a must-get for obvious reasons, right? How, how often do you have a five-star player, let alone a five-star defensive tackle that happens to hail from 13 miles away in Dell City? So that was a guy you had to have last year. I don't think there's a guy, even Jonah Williams, that Oklahoma has to have in this cycle, but especially the way that things are trending lately and you see a lot of the predictions flying in, it's pretty clear which school is Jonah Williams' favorite. And so at this point, you'd like to be able to sustain that momentum and get him locked in uh, and get him active with his peers as a recruiter, much the way that Kevin Sperry and Owen Hollenbeck and Marcus James and those guys have been. So I, I, I would stop short of saying that in an absolute sense, Jonah Williams is a must-get but I would say circumstantially based on what has transpired over the last couple of weeks, the necessity of the addition of Jonah Williams has definitely heightened. What would be, and I, I'm right there with you, it's Jonah Williams, but what would be the Jonah Williams effect? Do you think like, what are there any players down in Texas who you think would look at OU and maybe OU is kind of an outsider looking in, then would be a, Oh shoot. Jonah just went there. I mean, 
OU is rolling at that point, probably the number two or three class in the nation, if not higher. Yeah. What do you think that effect would be? Well, you got to look at the guys from his region, the greater Houston area, some of the players that Oklahoma is pressing for in that vicinity that would take note of a commitment to Oklahoma from Jonah Williams and who whose recruitments would likely be affected by Jonah Williams' commitment to Oklahoma. I think about guys like Landon Rink down in Cypress, Smith Arugbo, uh, who's in, gosh, uh, now I'm blanking on which Houston suburb he's from, uh, Aleaf. There you go, Aleaf, Texas. Uh, Tory Blaylock, a guy that Oklahoma's already in a really good spot for from Atascacita High School in Humble. Max Granville, private school kid from Fort Bend Christian Academy, another four-star at the edge rusher position that Oklahoma is in really good standing with. And so all in all, I think it's probably those guys, those guys that are native to the greater Houston area who are going to be the most swayed by Jonah Williams' commitment to Oklahoma. But no doubt, a kid of that caliber, he's a number nine player in the nation, regardless of position, according to the rivals rankings a player of that caliber locks in with OU it's something that people are taking note of nationwide right and I think especially in a if you're talking broader than the Houston area but more specific than nationwide obviously it's going to have a ripple effect in the Lone Star State right Oklahoma recruits very heavily across the state of Texas as a whole and Jonah Williams is Offhand, if he's not the top-rated player in the state of Texas, he's top three. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Last thing before we wrap it up, you always see some players, whether it's OU's class or just across the nation, who they might start a little lower, end up pretty high. Jackson, Arnold, Danny Okoye, There's the list goes on and on throughout recent yeah. years. Who is that guy? If I told you you have to pick one player who is much lower than where he will be in December, who would it be as far as rivals rankings go? If that guy is already committed to Oklahoma, the answer is Owen Hollenbeck. He's a mid three star 5.6 right now, according to the rivals rating scale. I think he is easily a four star guy who is probably at least a 5.8, probably a 5.9, which at that point you're in the mid tier of the four star um, ranks. Owen Hollenbeck is a guy that as of right now is criminally underrated and his stock is going to rise and rise in a hurry. He was the MVP, not the O-line MVP, but the overall MVP of the next level D1 camp down there in Dallas a couple of weeks ago. So that tells you what type of football player he is. And as far as guys currently on the board for Oklahoma, not yet committed, man, Marcus Wimberly out of Boxside, Arkansas, is a guy I love on tape. And he doesn't even have a rivals ranking yet, but Somebody that Oklahoma has prioritized, that Michigan has prioritized. Ole Miss just offered him tonight as we were recording this podcast. So schools across the country are starting to take note of him. Tennessee is also involved. And when you see those types of offers coming in at a position like safety, right, that's typically how you tell, okay, this guy's a baller. And his, again, his tape speaks for itself. It's not something you have to over overthink. When his tape is that impressive, and he's got the big boy offers. Yeah, to me, Marcus Wimberly is another guy that is a blue chipper, no doubt about it, and will be among the ranks of the four stars by the time the cycle wraps up. One of those deals where they say follow the money and recruiting you follow the offers. When you see Alabama, Ole Miss, and the bigger schools start getting involved, 
probably a pretty good player. But hey, thank you so much for everybody who listened or watched this podcast. If you haven't subscribed to OU Insider, I don't know what you're doing. You're missing out on the best team coverage, basketball coverage, and as you can see here, the best recruiting coverage. Be sure to go check us out, OUinsider.com. And if you're not subscribed on YouTube, please do. It's just one click away. Parker, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, of course, Blake. We're out of here.